With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Episode 41. Wrestling's Unplugged and Undeniable. Live from Blue Wire Hustle and in Living Color. My name is Jesse Velasquez. Rhea Rose will be back on Monday to tell us of her experience in Newark, New Jersey at the AEW Dynamite episode and Rampage as well. We will offer her thoughts on both of those, so look forward to that dropping on Tuesday. This will be dropping on a Saturday morning, and my guest is from Bleacher Report, the doc, Chris Mueller. Welcome, Chris. Hey, Jesse. How's it going? Everything's going all right. Not too shabby. I know we talked a little bit off air about the dark side of the ring last night, which you watched in full, and I've only caught a clip of, so I'm probably in a better state of mind than you and most of those who have watched it yeah it it was definitely a tough watch there was a lot of anger going around on twitter last night and a lot of people calling for other people's heads and yeah it's kind of an ugly situation but you know that's to be expected after a story like that sort of drops with the first time the first-hand account has ever been on film all we've had at this point is you know third-party anecdotes so I think that's why it's so jarring to people right now is because Heidi, the flight attendant who was actually in the episode, just like hearing her describe it from her perspective, it it just kind of puts everything on another level for people. It really does. Things that happened 19 years ago, the, the dark side of the ring, a lot of it, it even brings stuff back to light from like the late 70s and early 80s and just how different the wrestling business was and just how different society was even 19 yeah think about that 2002 there are a lot of things in 2021 that would be i mean if you did that now they'd be thrown in jail for something i mean there's a lot of different things that would happen would you happen to agree with just kind of the changing in society and how we're cracking down on things now that we should have back then yeah i mean it's always one of those things where It was never appropriate for any of that stuff to have happened, but we definitely now have a little bit of a better, I don't mean even know if I can say we have a better system in place for getting this stuff because this stuff still happens, you know, but I, I do think that there is more awareness and more willingness for people to maybe step up and prevent it now than there would have been back then. Like back then, you know, it was... WWE was literally the only dog in the fight. People were more afraid for their jobs than anything. Now there's more options. So I think, yeah, I I do think that society has changed a little bit, but we still have a long way to go before we're (laughs) at a place where it's good for everybody. That's an understatement. And 
I think a lot of people, what they don't grasp is pro wrestling went at its form when it was invented. It, it's, it's more of a circus. There's a little bit of everything for everyone. It's a form of entertainment. It's not an actual like one-on-one, like we don't know who's going to win. Like we don't know as an audience who's going to win. We think we know who's going to win, but they already know in the ring who is going to win and it plays out. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's a release for a lot of people like pro wrestling is sort of a a niche thing, but it's also something millions of people enjoy on a weekly basis. And eh, it just, you know, it's it really stinks when stories like this come to light or come out or are elaborated on all this time later, because I guess it's one of those things with somebody in the episode said it like the whole don't meet your heroes thing kind of applies here. Like you start to find out what kind of people everybody really is when you peel back the curtain. That is extremely true. And speaking from personal experience, I think there's a, yeah, there's one person that I've met and I definitely won't name this person that my perspective of them changed when I met them. And before that you can paint them in a higher light. So they're playing a character on TV and obviously people are really, really good at their profession, but what they do behind closed doors and what they do in their own personal life can completely is overshadows who they are or what they portray on TV or, of course, like on, on a competitive field or in any different type of field. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, the the Me Too movements and speaking out movements have sort of created a little bit of a safer environment for the women in this industry. But you know, you still hear about stuff every once in a while happening. So it really needs to to be a top priority for some of these companies, especially the bigger companies, to make sure that everybody is safe and taken care of. Because you never know, you know, if somebody is a piece of garbage until they give you a chance to see it. So I don't know. Ha- yeah. it, it was it was a tough watch, and it was really hard watching certain people in the audience almost try and downplay how bad it was like i think i'm sure that everybody has their own opinions on it but i think tommy dreamer came away from this looking just as bad as some of the guys that were like being accused of stuff because he was almost trying to say like oh you know it was different back then like was it really though i mean was was what happened any better back then tommy yeah, I'm super curious to see where what his role is going to look like moving forward because Busted Open Radio is number one in terms of a pro wrestling audience and views from a podcasting perspective, as well as Impact. I know he's heavily involved there too, so we'll see if that changes things. I'm willing to bet that it will, especially when a lot of these truths and allegations have exposed a good chunk of the business where you're seeing people who were very, very talented, popular three, four years ago that when these stories came to light, now they're gone. Like a Marty Skrull, a Joey Ryan, those types. A lot of the NXT UK guys have, they've been let go because of, of these allegations. And some of them again have come out as truths. Yeah. And, and then there's, there's some people who are still, sticking around who have open allegations against them so it's it's kind of odd to see how wwe or any of these companies pick and choose but at least with tommy i don't think this is going to necessarily affect his career in a huge way just because he's not being accused of anything and he can always just claim oh my comments were you know taken out of context or they were edited in a weird way 
And then there'll be some people who will be like, oh, he's probably right. They probably did edit it in a strange way and it's not as bad as it seems. Or he'll make some apology on Busted Open Radio for, you know, potentially offending anybody. But it is what it is. You know, people say stupid stuff and regret it all the time. So I'm not going to judge him as harshly as I'm judging some of the people that were on the flight for what they did. That's for sure. Exactly. And you mentioned the WWE being the only movement in town. Let's we'll travel back quick to 2002 and the women and how they were portrayed back then. Women's wrestling has come a long ways over the last 19 years where they're slowly pulling upwards towards equality with the men. We've seen women main event WrestleMania in the last four years, especially on the WWE side. While the AEW side is a little bit of a ways to go, they're obviously making smaller strides in the WWE. But women's wrestling as a whole has improved leaps and bounds over the course of those 19 years. And we took a travel back in time just to see kind of just the, the ugliness of um, things that could happen. Especially, I mean, granted, this person was not involved in the wrestling business, but nobody should have to be exposed to a naked person and unwanted gestures made. Right. Or, you know, it really, there was a lot of stuff said in that episode that, you know, was beyond just Ric Flair walking around naked. That was a little disturbing. So, yeah, it's it's tough. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it has gotten a little bit better. I, I I don't know if we'll ever see complete equality across the board because this is such a male dominated business, but the, the closer we can get to that, the better it is for everybody. And I I would love to see AEW get to that point where they're starting to put, you know, a a few women in main events here and there and multiple women's storylines running concurrently instead of just a championship storyline, stuff like that would will make a big difference in the long run, but you know, they're, they're building up an entire company and it's still only two years in. So kind of giving them a little more leeway just because I'm not the one who has to make the show every week. So I can't sit there and say that I would know how to do it any better. We agree. We have a 38 or 39 year old gentleman who is basically booking this by, I mean, he just started literally Day one, year one, this was him, his brainchild, something that he had done 20 years ago with fiction, stuff that we often do. We will, we will fantasy book. He had been fantasy booking and now he can bring that fantasy booking into real life. So you're right. Giving him, giving him the benefit of the doubt in the initial stages is yeah, you're going to give him more passes than not. However, when things don't change over the course of time, that's when we can kind of put the hammer down. We're going to dive into AEW later. First things first, we don't talk to enough WWE on this podcast, and I definitely want your opinion on this because this guy is, I've been singing his praises for the last three, four years, and now he is a world heavyweight. Biggie or Biggie Langston, if you want to go back to his NXT days, is the fourth African-American WWE champion cashing in on Monday night. Give me your overall thoughts on him being. Well, I'm in the same boat as you. I have loved Biggie as much as anybody for the past few years. He's been my favorite WWE superstar. So to see him actually get that big moment and the way that WWE did it, I think, was was really smart. Uh, just having him put that out there on social media created a huge buzz. And then throughout the show, the tension kept building like, okay, here it comes. It's finally going to happen. And then when his music hit, you're like, all right, 
is he going to actually win or are they going to pull the rug out from under him? And then when it finally happened, I, I could not have been happier for him. And he's just so entertaining that I don't see how he could have a bad title reign. Like they could give him the worst program in the world and Biggie's still going to knock it out of the park. Very multifaceted. He has great comedic timing, but also can be quite very serious when the moment calls for it. And that's something that I think with that, not the word diversity, but the just. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The, the complexity of his character where he can change ranges is going to serve him well in this in his title run so my question to you now is do you have faith that he's do you think this is going to be a short title reign do you think it's gonna be longer what are your where, where are you going with it i don't know uh, it's tough to say because wwe has a lot of different people right now that it clearly wants to push but it's a little more competitive over on SmackDown than it is on Raw right now. Like you got Seth Rollins, you've got Brock Lesnar, and you have Finn Balor all going after Roman Reigns right now. And then you have on Raw, it's like Lashley was kind of just leading the pack and everybody else was fighting for second place. Uh, There's a lot of interesting feuds they can do, but my hope is that he just doesn't lose it the same way Kofi does did I should say um that was like a huge huge disappointment for me the way they took the title off Kofi and as long as Biggie has like a decently competitive reign and then loses it to somebody in a competitive match I'll be fine with it but I'm I'm always hesitant to say how long I think a title reign should be because there are some great title reigns that only lasted three or four months and there are some terrible title reigns that lasted six plus so I don't know how important length is necessarily to how good the storylines are that you tell in that time. You're definitely right. And I think that it's, I think it's almost impossible for Big E to lose the title the way Kofi did in that seven second, not necessarily sneak attack way that he lost it to Brock Lesnar. The bell rang, he charged him F five game over. I think the only way that happens is if, Obviously, Lesnar moves to Raw, and they pull the exact same stunt. It's it, and we have a draft coming up in two weeks, by the way. So that's going to cycle some some talent around that were from SmackDown to Raw. Maybe balance out the rosters a little bit because I don't necessarily know if the rosters are imbalanced, but the way that the that the um, the shows are written are definitely imbalanced. Maybe they can trade writers from Fox over to USA. Do you? Do you, who do you see going over to Raw from SmackDown? I could, well, I mean, I guess Big E's technically like officially a Raw guy now, right? I believe so. I don't know. This is a weird draft because I feel like both rosters are fine the way they are, actually. They just seem to do more with SmackDown in less time, or at least it's more meaningful stuff. I could definitely see the balance shifting a little bit in terms of raw has so many guys right now and SmackDown has so many less. So I could see it being 
maybe a little more equal after the draft as far as the numbers on each side go. Um, let me see. I'm just looking at the roster right now to see. Like, they're not doing much with Apollo Cruz and Commander Aziz right now, so I could definitely see them being put on Raw to kind of refresh him a little bit. Same thing with Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode. You know, any of the tag teams really can be cycled around because the tag team division being so much smaller means you repeat stuff more often. So you got to freshen that up a little bit when you can. So, you know, a team like the Street Profits or Chad Gable and Otis, I could easily see jumping over there. But I think right now, just in terms of the quality of the two shows, you're probably going to have more guys on Raw itching to get on SmackDown. Like Drew Gulak, somebody like him, he's an outstanding wrestler that I just hate to see him in these 24-7 title segments. And when he was on SmackDown, even though a lot of it might have been Daniel Bryan's doing, he still seemed to be treated a little bit better. So I wouldn't mind somebody like him or guys like the Lucha House Party to be moved over to SmackDown where I feel like they could be used a little bit better. Cedric Alexander would be another example going over from Raw to SmackDown. The two names that I saw, the larger name from Raw moving over and the larger name from SmackDown moving over, and this could be complete rumor, would be Edge over to Raw and Drew McIntyre over to SmackDown. I could see Drew moving to SmackDown. He's been on Raw for a few years now and could definitely use with a little bit of refresh. With Edge, I didn't even know he was really technically assigned to either show because it kind of seemed like he can just show up where and when he wants being sort of like a part-time legend. Like Brock Lesnar, you know, he just showed up on SmackDown. He was never really drafted or anything. So, but yeah, Drew, that that actually would be more interesting to me if they moved him over there because I think him feuding with the reigns we have now would be super interesting. It absolutely would. And not only that, a lot of people are saying, well, who's left for Roman Reigns to defeat over on the SmackDown side? And I had been pushing for Big E to actually win that title next year at WrestleMania to be the guy to defeat Roman Reigns, build him up for a good seven or eight months and have him be Roman's equal and then finally overtake him and have a humongous WrestleMania moment. So you could almost do the same thing with Drew McIntyre and throw him in a third WrestleMania setting where you can actually do it in front of a crowd and be the one to dethrone Roman. You have the time and uh, the resources to do it. Yeah, I would have loved if Biggie was the one to take Roman down, but I feel like Lashley didn't give get enough credit for how good he was during his title reign sometimes. And I think seeing Lashley be defeated was in the end just as good because really it was just seeing Big E hold the title up that mattered to me, not necessarily how or who he beat. So, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, though. I really would have loved to see him. I don't know if I could have waited until WrestleMania and still be satisfied. <laughs> That's a while away. But yeah, yeah I would have loved to see him get a chance at Reigns because like like he's always saying, you know, it'd be two big meaty men slapping meat, which we could we're going to be seeing a lot of that now on Raw. And I, I don't know. Guess you can give me your thoughts on this, too. The Saudi Arabia Crown Jewel show coming up in October. We could see Biggie's true dream match, which it actually is a dream match. He wasn't just saying it on that podcast going up against Goldberg. And obviously with Saudi Arabia wanting what they feel is a huge name. To go over there, it kind of there's part of me that's a little bit nervous that Goldberg could be the one to take the title off. What would you think about that? I'd I'd be legitimately pissed if that happened. 
that soon into his reign. Yeah. But seeing him get to fight Goldberg, I'd be fine with that because it'd be, I think it would actually be more fun than most of the matches. And I think that has a little bit to do with just Biggie's style. Like, you know, a guy like Lashley, for example, like he's a little more technically adept than some of the other powerhouses. So you could get a five-star match out of Lashley with Big E. He's not as concerned with that. So I think him and Goldberg could do something fun together, but yeah, I would not be happy if I saw Goldberg (laughs) win the title. As far as the crown jewel event as a whole goes, you know, those things are what they are. I mean, it's hard to really take them seriously because so few people here make the effort to watch them now that it almost feels like a non-canon event. Like maybe a title will change hands, but we're not going to hear about all these things that happen at crown jewel for months. Like we do at WrestleMania. That is true. It's a very, very glorified house show, which is accessible. You can see it on the network or now it's Peacock, of course. And yeah, I, it, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> Thankfully I'm not, I'm not as tied into the WWE main roster as I used to be. I definitely follow and get a lot of my information from very credible people on, on Twitter. And I'll obviously go back and watch some YouTube highlights. So I'm holding my breath in anticipation that Biggie has a very good run. And like you said, it's going to be entertaining one way or another, and he can probably make chicken salad out of chicken shit if given the opportunity. And here it is for him. Yeah. I mean, the promos alone for Biggie versus Goldberg would sell me on it. Like just seeing Biggie get the chance to actually have his big dream match against a guy like Goldberg. I, I just think his promos would be fire leading up to it because his his heart and soul would actually be in it and you probably can't say that about too many of the men that have that have wrestled him it's kind of like really i mean he's he hasn't been around and he's obviously a lot older and not perfecting his craft like he was trying to do when he first broke into the business in the late 90s yeah and i will say that goldberg's last match i was surprised at how much actual wrestling was in it it was it was like a seven minute match which is long for him and that started with a collar and elbow tie-up like the most basic wrestling start to a match so i do think goldberg if he puts the effort in can have better matches than what we've seen obviously that match with the undertaker is sort of a i don't want to say exception but it's like an aberration in his career like he's not known as being the safest guy in the world but most of his matches are better than that so i i think a lot of people judge him on that match and i'm still willing to judge him on his whole body of work at this point so i'm still probably more positive on goldberg than some of the people in our industry but yeah i I don't want to see him be biggie that would be a a big no-no for me it would be but also you mentioned like the, the positives, like the matches with Lesnar were very quick, but there was so much impact to them and it painted Goldberg in a much more positive light. So we're hoping that that happens and being with a younger guy like Big E. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. 
Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Being in the ring with him, that that could definitely happen. And uh, again, there's gonna be a lot of passion behind it because this is a match that Big E truly wants. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think Goldberg would have a lot of fun with it too. Like I don't think Goldberg is a selfish person. I think he's booked very strong because WWE recognizes the nostalgia factor that he brings. But I do think Goldberg does legitimately like this business and will is willing to do what the storyline needs him to do. So like, you know, his last match, he came in looking all hot and then he lost. You know, it, it is it's something that happens like he put over the guy and I don't think he'd have a problem putting over Big E either. Absolutely not. Big E has the look, the athleticism. He, he has it all. Like again, so like you and I said, he's he's your favorite. He's probably in my top two in terms of the WWE. So for him to get his moment is extremely gratifying. And it's I'm actually going to be paying a lot more attention to Raw because of it. And that's exactly what the WWE wants. So now let's just hope they can follow through on it. Crossing our fingers here. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always a risky venture to trust WWE with things these days. But, you know, the Roman stuff has been so strong. And when they want to, they can do a compelling storyline and a good title reign. And I think the last two weeks of Raw have been a big step up from the previous few months. So I, I'm I'm willing to let them get better. Like, I, I will acknowledge when the show is bad and I will acknowledge when the show is good. And I think lately it's been better. So I'm hoping it continues to trend that way. And a big part of why Raw has been great has actually been all the New Day stuff. Like, freaking Kofi and Woods wrestled like 90 minutes worth of matches the other week in that tag team turmoil stuff they were doing. That helped the show immensely because we got to see Woods pin like six different guys, which... <laughs> That guy just he they need to push him more, <laughs> even as like a tag or singles guy. Xavier, I, I want so much for that guy because he is so talented and it just never feels like he's been booked as anything but a tag team guy. I was listening to a podcast this morning where the article will be released early next week on the undefeated and Biggie in the article. I'll spoil a little bit of it said that I'm it's it's time for Xavier to get his flowers too. So he's going to be making a huge push and advocating for him to be elevated into that spotlight much like his teammates have. I think his time is coming. It's probably going to be another couple of years down the road, but they're planting the seeds. You've been seeing it with the match against Riddle, the match against Bobby Lashley in the cage. The guy is a credible wrestler, very intelligent, well-spoken, and extremely entertaining. So don't look now. We could be seeing the upcomings as well as Xavier Woods. And, you know, the King of the Ring is his big dream. Like, he would obviously love to be WWE champion, but he has talked so much about winning the King of the Ring. And with that supposedly coming back at some point, I, I would love it if he got that opportunity. Because if he never wins the WWE title, at least he'll have that one thing that he really, really, really wanted. I get a feeling it's going to be coming down the road for him, coming down the pipe. So 
Yeah, know, so. and and that's going to be when did they say that that is going to be taking place? Well, the the rumor was that we were going to get a King of the Ring and a Queen of the Ring, and that the finals were supposedly going to happen at Crown Jewel. But the fact that we're getting this close to the show and there's been no announcement makes me wonder if they either pulled the plug on those plans or if they maybe never had them in the first place and it was just a rumor. I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, Crown Jewel is what, like four or five weeks away now? Yes, October the 21st. So yeah, about five weeks away. That that gives them enough time to build it up, I guess, but it's not going to be, you know, the three round tournament in one night thing like it used to be, but it's it would still be great to see. I, I mean, even if it happens in Saudi Arabia, I won't care because I'll be, you know, cheering my head off if Woods ends up winning King of the Ring. I actually can't think of anybody else. So it's like, who else would you want to see win the King of the Ring? Who else is kind of going under the radar at the moment? It's tough to really kind of dig down the roster. That's a good question. I think there is a lot of people who would benefit from it right now, but I don't necessarily know if WWE would book them to win the King of the Rings. So that's where it gets tricky. Like a guy like Elias, for example, like he's in the middle of being repackaged, but we haven't seen a video for him in the last couple of weeks. Like if they really want to push him hard out of the gate, just have him come in and dominate the King of the Ring tournament. Like that guy has never gotten a chance to show the wrestling chops that he has on the main roster because so much of his gimmick was based around his music performances and that ate up how much potential match time he had. But the little flashes of brilliance that we've gotten to see in the ring from him, I think if he really leans into that, Elias could be good. Then you have a guy like Jeff Hardy who maybe they'll never book him to be world champion again, but he's still a very popular guy. So Booking him as King of the Ring or somebody like Keith Lee. Keith Lee could absolutely benefit from something like this. But I could also see them going the route of somebody like Karrion Cross and really trying to amp up his push, even though people make fun of his look. I still feel like WWE does want to do something meaningful with Cross. It's just going to take some time. But yeah, there's there's quite a few people that I, I wouldn't mind seeing win. It's just whether WWE would actually book them is the question. Very true. Keith Lee, that would probably be my 1A to Big E's 1B in terms of two people that I would that have been wanting to see their comeuppance, and that's a possibility. I would probably, I think I'm now starting to lean into the camp that Xavier Woods would be the more ideal choice. I think if they were to throw Karrion Cross in this mix and have him win it, you have to wonder what they've done with Scarlett. And if you bring her back, I think that's kind of a pretty solid way to maybe throw a little bit more juice into, into his presentation and his character. So there was some truth, something that Adam Cole said about a couple of months ago. Yeah. Oh man. That promo was so funny because so many people were just like, Hey, tell me, tell me the lie. Tell me what Cole, tell me what Cole is saying. That's a lie. Cause everything he's saying is true. Yeah. And that was on NXT, which is a perfect segue into the presentation that was brought to us on Tuesday night. An interesting mix of people we have not seen on TV that have been in developmental for a long time. And some of the talent that has been on the show for, for a while. We got to see a new NXT champion. We also got to see some pretty impressive debuts. And I didn't even put this together. So Rick Steiner's son is Bronson Rex Steiner. That's his real name. He was going to potentially go in as Rex Steiner. They they debuted him as Bron Breaker with two Ks. Kind of weird, but the Bron is 
cutting off from his name, Bronson. Were, were you impressed with Mr. Steiner? And give me your thoughts on his win over a guy who was featured in the main event later, LA Knight. Yeah, that was a weird choice. Um, I thought Bron did fine. Just having him beat LA Knight right before he fights for the title and then LA Knight still doesn't win the title. Like that was so just out of left field for me. But everything else about it was done well. I thought Bron's initial promo was a little weird. Like they just set that up strange. So there wasn't really much he could do about it. But as soon as he actually got in the ring and started working, I, I'm like, okay, this guy could be something. He's got the good look. He's he's got those, you know, those super bright tights that remind you who Sonny is. Cause <laughs> I mean, if you watch the Steiners back then, they had some crazy attire. And uh yeah, I think he's cool. The the only newcomer that I really really didn't care for was uh tony d'angelo <laughs> yeah so like oh i'm not i'm not italian like if i am it's so small that i don't even know about it but i was almost offended for italians at how stereotypical this portrayal was this was like a bad side character on the sopranos who gets killed off in the first episode he appears in and I don't know. That's going to be an interesting one to watch develop. But yeah, it, it was a bit of a mixed bag on Tuesday. I liked some of the stuff they did and I didn't care for other things that they did. So I'm still kind of iffy on this new direction as to whether or not it'll be for me. It's different there. You still have a little bit of the shades of the older or more of the indie NXT with the main event with a guy like Pete Dunne and Tommaso Ciampa. But you also had Kyle O'Reilly get eliminated from the match and another former or another newcomer with a father that was in the wrestling business. And they changed his name as well. Von Wagner. Cal Bloom. So I believe he is the son of one of the Beverly brothers of the Destruction Crew, which I believe is Wayne Bloom. Um, outside of Bloom, D'Angelo and Braun, what did you think of all the other newcomers that were featured on this show? Refresh my memory. What else was new? So we had we had the Creed brothers. Yes, they're the ones in the uh, the diamond mine now, right? Yes. I, I like their physicality and I just... Don't know how they're going to be on the mic yet, but as a tag team, I think that they'll do well in NXT. They have that look that says like, you know, we're, we're real competitive athletes and they have that style that just looks like it hurts. You know, it, some wrestlers aren't convincing when they're hitting their opponents and those guys that looks like it hurts when they slam you and hit you. So mm -hmm. I'm very interested to see what happens with them. And I think the diamond mine is, is a good place to put them because Bivens, man, that guy has needed something to work out for him for a while because he just has too much talent to be kept down in NXT. And I'm glad that it looks like this diamond mine thing is going to keep going for him. We completely agree. I think the one thing that's very telling about NXT 2.0 is that they are going to try to revert back to some shades of developmental and treat it as such. Because there was only one match that went over 10 minutes. Everything else was six minutes and lower. Something that you would normally see if you go back in the day, like WWF Superstars or WCW Saturday Night, where you wouldn't get those 
yeah, you wouldn't have those 10 to 15 minute either television matches or pay-per-view settings where you could truly see who the talent was. You're going to maybe build them along slowly, show some glimpses, and then unleash them on a takeover. And that's where we hope to see the magic happen. Yeah. Oh, we also saw Ivy Nile debut with the Diamond Mine, right? Yes, that is correct. Man, she has a look about her that is like is money. I mean, just just her physical appearance alone i understand why she was signed having never seen her wrestle like she just looks like a badass and it's kind of that same thing with jade cargill over in aew like she looks the part perfectly so i'm very interested to see what they do with her yeah and that's something that vince mcmahon has always been a fan of is the physical presentation first and then we're gonna see if you if you can present yourself in that way make something compelling about you in front of an audience and that's just kind of throwing them in there just again looks are there great show us what else you have on top of it she's an example uh bronson is also an example of it and we'll see about the rest so the one thing they did do was they put the title back on an old reliable and i'm actually very happy that this gentleman got it back tomaso champa ended up winning the nxt title in a fatal four-way over the Three, three men that we mentioned, L.A. Knight, Pete Dunne, and Von Wagner. Going in, I actually thought L.A. Knight was going to be the, the victorious one. Just based upon, I felt that he has the most um, ready-made look that I think the WWE is looking for. Were you surprised that Ciampa won? I was. I actually probably would have, if you told me to rank these guys by likelihood of winning, Ciampa would have been three or four. Yeah. Um, not that he doesn't fit the role well. Like I'm super happy to put the title back on him. I just figured they were going to give that push to Kyle O'Reilly or Pete Dunn at this point. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Pete Dunn versus Samoa Joe was the match I wanted to see. And now we're not going to get it at least for the foreseeable future. So that's a little depressing, but yeah, Champa's Champa was a good choice. And I think for them to be like, you know, we're changing some things, but we're still going to feature these other guys that you like. I think that was a smart way to kind of set the show up so it wasn't too much of a weird experience for the NXT loyalists to all of a sudden see all these new people around and feel like a different show. And it also ended on what I feel is a high note. Um, I'm not really, I am into like comedy and things like that in wrestling when it, and it has its place. And this wedding definitely had its place. The Indy Hartwell, Dexter Loomis storyline has been... I think it's been fantastic. Have, have you enjoyed the whole process? And did you enjoy what took place on Tuesday night? I loved the wedding. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I, uh, I, I do think wrestling should be a little bit of everything. And that includes ridiculous comedy. And getting a segment like this and having like every part of it actually work well was just so refreshing because I can't think of the last like good WWE wedding segment before this because it's been a while since they've even tried to do a wedding isn't it like i can't think of the last one they tried to do i know That's how was long it, it is uh, was it was it really lita no was it billy and chuck I, I really have to rack my brain on this one yeah i can't think of the last one they even tried to do but indy has been so good this whole this whole storyline like i did not know that she was going to be this good in the storyline and that's what makes me so happy for her is that she's the one carrying so much of the weight of it because Dexter's character barely ever talks like what I think we heard his first words during this right I do yes and so, there was a dramatic pause with the eye 
Yeah, and that was so funny. Like, I I don't really like Austin Theory, but watching him freak out behind Dexter when he finally spoke was so funny. Like, the look on his face was perfect. Oh, 100%. And I these two just have fantastic chemistry. So I'm very glad that we forgot about the last wedding on the WWE because it was terrible. It was Bobby Lashley and Lana. Oh, my God, that's right. Oh, my God. That wasn't even that long ago. No. No. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Look, okay. at where, look at where Bobby Lashley and Miro are right now. Yeah. You know, both guys are in better places. And I, I honestly, like, I feel like Lana got an unfair shake sometimes in WWE because she was put in positions to fail at times. So I really hope that something good happens for her and she can, if she wants to continue wrestling, I hope she gets that chance, but yeah, to see where Lashley and Miro are now after that disastrous storyline, like it just kind of shows that (laughs) nothing is really ever the end. If you work hard, hundred percent. And you mentioned, we'll go backtrack quick to Bobby Lashley and his title reign was absolutely incredible. I felt with, McIntyre, Lashley, and Big E, that the title has been in great hands over the last year and a half. Yet Miz win with the money in bank cash in and lost it immediately the next night. So if you count his reign, three of the last four reigns in the WWE, in terms of the WWE championship have been. Yeah. And Miz was the perfect guy to do that with because he is such a company man that if they say, hey, we're going to put the title on you for one week and then we're going to have you put this guy over the Miz will be like all right he he appears to be this cocky dude but he is so willing to do whatever the company needs him to do he will look like an idiot if they need him to look like an idiot and he will make it entertaining I have so much respect for the Miz and his ability that like it doesn't bother me to see him only get a one-week title reign because he's the perfect guy to put in that position oh we 100% agree there and yeah I mean, that was a superb, he's a transitional champion and it was, it was brilliant to get the bridge from McIntyre to Lashley. It was, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. No pun intended there. And yeah. yeah, so we're, we're looking full. Yeah. So again, there, there are some good things on the horizon for the WWE main roster. So you just on top of raw. And then of course you mentioned SmackDown and then NXT 2.0 jury's out, but there were some very good seeds planted. And there was a lot of intrigue. It, it left you scratching your head. And there were some pretty solid ratings for the show, too. It was just under 800,000. What did you think of the overall presentation? Like just the the new arena that they have set up, the new aesthetic they're trying to build? Like, what did you think of that in comparison to the original, like, black and gold, gritty NXT look that they were going for? Oh, goodness. Very colorful. I couldn't get Nickelodeon out of my head for a couple of minutes there. It took a while. Um, and I think what the WWE has been trying to do from the, over the last six to 12 months has been make it a lot more kid friendly. And that's who they're really trying to target are, are the really young children. So like us, we we probably grew up as wrestling fans, have our first moment from the age of five and six, and we were hooked and we're still fans to this day. So they're trying to kind of capture that audience and what, what brings in more, what brings in more younger viewers than a, a colorful background. And they're really trying to distinguish themselves from AEW because those colors are somewhat similar. I know AEW has a little bit less of a gold. It's a little more of a, I can't really um, tell you exactly what the color is, but they're very similar. So to have it distinguished now, 
I think it's 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 unique. It's different, and it's definitely going to give it a different and new feel. Yeah, for sure. I agree. It, it's. I think the the new arena definitely was the best part of the changes. Like I just like the arena setup that they have. The seating was done in such a way where it made a smaller crowd look a little bigger than it was. And that's a similar thing that they do in talk shows. Like if you ever noticed how a talk show audience, the rows elevate more with each row than they would at like a baseball stadium, for example. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 10 rows back, you're with the lucky land slots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. So much higher than you would be normally. So I felt like that and just the overall ring and announcer table setup and all that. I thought that looked great. Um, But yeah, the logo, I think it was Ross Berman who said the same thing like I was like this logo reminds me of the opening of a TV show but I can't think of what it is and he replied to me oh it's just the general Nickelodeon thing before the show that you're thinking I'm like oh that is what I'm thinking (laughs) so yeah Nickelodeon definitely crossed my mind there too not necessarily a bad thing it's gonna bring us back to our childhood yeah WWE's a family-friendly company now, so I don't, I don't think that it's a bad thing for them to try to appeal to a young audience, especially with AEW going for the mature audience at this point. So this is just a strategy, and we'll see how it works over time. But you know, we're still getting the occasional swear word on Raw, so it's not like it's, it's not like they're turning it into uh, Saturday Morning Slam. Do you remember that show? Yes. Like a legitimate kids show on one of the Disney channels. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't think they'll go that far. But yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised that they're trying to go for a younger audience at this point, because that's been their direction for a while now. And with Disney movies, you would always have a little little bit of adult humor in there that would just fly over the kids heads. So there's there's something in there for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Segways perfect into AEW. And this is something I wanted to bring to another person's attention we're seeing all of these debuts over the last goodness we'll just even start from 2021 this this its inception and you're even starting to see some drop-ins from new japan and you're probably going to see some more going over the course of the next six months to who knows how long do you think that like people are like like, almost expecting like who's coming in who's coming in who's coming in eventually that trick's going to run out do you think that, do you have the confidence in AEW to just build off of, of the momentum of just finally all of these parts in one place and now trying to establish them as opposed to bring in another one and another one and another one, like DJ Khaled would say, and just hoping that that will draw people in and keep people. I do think that AEW 
has the tools necessary to continue to succeed, even if they don't keep having these big debuts. But I also think that with the way things are going, AEW is so desirable right now to pro wrestlers that they're never really going to have a shortage of people they can pick up that might move the needle a little bit, so to speak. That's the big phrase people have been throwing around the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do. I'm really surprised at how much they packed into All Out. Like, I, I expected maybe Ruby Soho for, as the Joker. We got that. And then I thought maybe Cole or Brian in the main event. I certainly didn't think we'd get all three of them in the same night. I thought maybe they would stretch it out and use one of those as a big dynamite thing or something. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens going forward, because now that these guys are there, they have to become part of the system. It's going to be interesting to see who acclimates the best. I mean, Punk and Brian, I feel like we're not going to be getting matches every week, but Cole and Soho, they're going to be regulars. They're going to be full timers. They're going to be in the ring a lot. So I do think that AEW has built a very strong foundation for the future. Now they just need to figure out who are the talents that we want to throw our weight behind who aren't part of the elite. Cause those guys, you know, they're all EVPs. They're all safe for life and going to have a push whenever they want one. It's, it's the, all the other people that I'm curious how they're going to be treated. Like I'm really interested to see how Jade Cargill's career progresses. Cause she is still very green in the ring, but everything else about her presentation is just pitch perfect. And then you have somebody like Layla Hirsch, who is just this little ball of muscle that can throw anyone around in the ring. And I think right now, the most exciting thing for me in AEW is to seeing their women's division finally starting to expand. And we're starting to get like multiple storylines. A couple of people who were injured are back now, like Anna Jay. Uh, Tay Conti has been unbelievably impressive recently. Penelope Ford has always stood out to me as somebody that they could really put their weight behind. So, yeah, I think AEW is in a very good position right now. They just need to keep capitalizing on these big moments. And I think they've been doing that well so far. They absolutely have. And do you think that was a little bit too much debuting all three of those those um, talents in one night at All Out? I, I'll never say that there is too many good moments on a show, but I definitely see the logic of both sides of it. Like I get like, let's just pack this all into one night and make this the most unforgettable show of the year. And they did that. And I was, I was in Chicago. I like, I'm a Illinois guy. So I was there for that show. So I got to see all those moments live. That was awesome for me, especially because it was the first live show I'd been to in a couple of years because the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the debuting them in like separate ways or maybe a little bit spaced out, that's how I would have done it because I always kind of look at like, what's the best long-term approach, but I also get like, let's, let's get all this at once and get as much buzz as possible. And it's working for them. So, you know, I, I can't fault their approach. In the span of 16 days, they debuted those three. CM Punk two weeks prior. And then the one that was overshadowed, he's not a member of the promotion, but got a huge pop when it happened was Minoru Suzuki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most talked about moment of the night was that his theme song got cut short. <laughs> yeah. And that was on the Wednesday after all out. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man, that whole Suzuki incident thing took off so much. I watching those memes unfold throughout the day was so funny. And he's way more than his entrance theme, that's for sure. And oh, yeah. I know Moxley alluded to it in a in a promo as well. Gosh, was there someone else that also alluded to it in a CM Punk did too? He talked about uh Carl Gotch. That's how he got the pile driver and his he's been in he was a fixture in MMA in the early to mid 90s with Ken Shamrock. I think they fought in Pancrase. So it's just, yeah, it's absolutely insane that this guy's still going after 30 years. He's one of those older folks like in their 50s, but the, he can still go. Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember who said it, but I heard somebody say like Minoru Suzuki is the Japanese Ron Simmons. Like he's just awesome the whole time he works like Ron Simmons had a good long career and he was never not great. And Suzuki, I'm not as familiar with Suzuki as a lot of the people in our industry are just because I haven't had as much exposure to the Japanese wrestling as I probably should. But I definitely know who he is and I've heard his name for years and seeing him get that kind of love was a a really cool moment just because it shows that international wrestling does have a market here and you know AEW I mean they've they've been doing such good work with this whole forbidden door working with other promotions thing but still managing to prioritize their own guys and their own storylines it it's a tough line to walk and I think they've done it really well. You've had Satoshi Kojima and Yuji Nagata come over and wrestle Moxley. You've had Hiroshi Tanahashi appear on a dynamite for about a minute or a minute and a half. Talking about the Forbidden Door. Yeah, and then we also have the prospect of guys like Kata or Naito coming over who've been like referenced on Dynamite in Moxley's promos. So there are so many potential dream matches that I think AEW is trying to give us. It's just right now, international travel restrictions are so strange and there's all like these quarantine protocols that they have to do. So like I I just talked to Brian Danielson yesterday for an interview Mm -hmm. and he's like, yeah, you know, I'd love to be able to go over and do the G1. It's just not possible right now until we get COVID under control. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this continues to work because the new Japan guys are obviously loving this because it seems like all the big names are coming over now. So yeah, but you know, we also have like this relationship with impact and the NWA a little bit and occasionally ring of honor will be mentioned. So I'm excited for this to kind of continue to grow and to see more cross promotional relationships form. Cause that is how it used to work in the territory days. You're a hundred percent correct on that one. Like a lot of the mid South and I've been listening to a lot of um, 1986 with Tony Schiavone and you had wrestlers come in from, I think maybe the UWF might've been one. I know the AWA was here in Minnesota and they, they were pretty big. A lot of like a, Hulk Hogan came from there, Kurt Hennig, Scott Hall, the Road Warriors say that's pretty much where they all broke in and they ended up going on to bigger and larger things. WWF went national. So kind of seeing a whole territory thing. And then AAA, which is another one that we haven't mentioned. We've seen Laredo Kid come in, Andrade wrestled Kenny Omega on AAA. So uh, it's just, it, there just seems to be seven, eight, nine different promotions or however many there are more or less working together and giving the fans what they want. And that's these unique mashups. And it's just, it's, it's fantastic. It is. And I think that that's the best part about it is that the fans get to see things that we wouldn't have gotten to see 10 years ago when it was just WWE 
and a bunch of little indies. And then Impact, I think maybe was still kind of relevant at the time, 10 years ago, but man, Impact has fallen from grace. I mean, they used to be a, you know, a 2 million viewer show that is down to like 150,000. So it's rough, but Impact has a lot of good talent right now. I do wish more people would give them a shot because they have, I don't want to say they've completely righted the ship from some of the mistakes they've made, but they've certainly got themselves back on the right track. They really have. Look at, well, Ethan Page came over from there. You have Josh Alexander right now, Chris Bay, who's now in the Bullet Club with New Japan, and Rich Swan. His yes. match with Omega was good. Like Their champ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and now Christian's their champion again. After all these years, Christian has the Impact title again. And I, I think that that was a smart move on their part because Christian has that relationship to the former TNA that they can build off of, but he's still an AEW guy. They also have that knockouts division, which even though Kira Hogan and Ty Valkyrie have left, it's still, the cupboard is definitely not bare and there's a lot of strength to their division. Yeah, and that's one thing they've always done well, actually, is their women's division has has been strong for years. And even though there was obviously, you know, a short period of time where it got a little weird there, before the whole women's revolution, quote unquote, in WWE, Impact had women's segments that were outdrawing everything else on their show. Like back when the beautiful people were a thing and you had like Gail Kim and Awesome Kong at the beginning of their epic rivalry, like they were doing some really great stuff with their women's division. And now we're starting to see it again. And with somebody like Mickey James, there helping out. I think that's going to be a big help for them. Exactly. You've had Jordan Grace, who's been a staple for the last couple of years. Uh, Rachel Ellering's over there with her now. To Neil, too. Yeah, yeah. Tasha Steeles, there's if the cover's not bare for over there. No, oh, and Chelsea Green. I mean, look at what she's been right. doing. She's she is a social media wizard. Like that girl gets people talking about her whenever she wants. Very true. Same thing with her fiance or her husband, Matt Cardona, who's made an appearance there too. Yeah, he man, I, I couldn't be happier for him because he got such a shaft by WWE. He got himself over organically and the company just completely botched it. And to see him having all this like love and success and doing things like winning the GCW title from Nick Gage and all that stuff, like he's such a hard worker. And I'm one of those people that like a big part of why I become fans of people is when I recognize how hard they work and how passionate they are. And very few people can reach his level. Very true. He's one of the few that has that did it. He well, I guess you could say he did it outside of the WWE. He obviously made his name on there, but he had to do it through YouTube. He's uh, he's like the original YouTube wrestling star. That is was Matt Cardona. Yeah, I mean, before that, the only person who used the internet as deftly as he did was Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy made working the internet a thing because he had the Hardy Show with Jeff. He was one of the first to embrace Twitter and get a big following. Matt Hardy does not get enough love for how much he influenced Zack Ryder slash Matt Cardona in what he did. And I think Cardona's even acknowledged that like Matt Hardy was technically the pioneer. I just took it to a new level. But yeah, those two guys together, I think, represent like they're the godfathers of using the Internet to get yourself over as a pro wrestler. 
And we have mentioned Impact and its ratings. Think about the last five years and when Impact was at its most popular. It was hands down with the broken Matt Hardy character. Yeah, I mean, ratings wise, I don't remember what they were doing at the time with the broken Matt Hardy character, but that's when they had their most buzz for sure. But there was a period of time like right before all that Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff stuff sort of kind of took the company in the wrong direction where AJ Styles and Christian and Kazarian and Christopher Daniels and Samoa Joe, they were just having these five-star matches all the time. And I think that's where impact was really strong was their in-ring work was just like head and tails above what we were seeing on WWE for a few years there. Oh, it really was. I think there was the 16 year anniversary of that famous triple threat, which of course is AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, and Samoa Joe. Five stars, obviously well-earned, well-deserved. It's definitely something that you have never watched it. Please go back and do. That's your homework assignment out there, audience. Yeah, Impact has always been under the radar a little bit. So I took a quick little sneak peek here. The Healing of Jeff Hardy by Broken Matt Hardy five years ago, 4.2 million views on YouTube. Yeah, and I mean, for an Impact Wrestling video, that's massive. It's huge, because I'm looking, scrolling down, it's a little bit more about Broken Matt Hardy vowing to delete Bray Wyatt. That got 3 million views on WWE's YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So it tells you what a little bit of buzz can do for these people. And yeah, I mean, if you know how to market yourself, you're the only person who can stand in your way of success, because the fans will get behind you if you're good. That, that's just how this business works. And I think that's why we're seeing so much. I think that's why we have seen so much more diversity in pro wrestling lately. Like they're finally starting to realize like the fans like this person because they're awesome. So we need to push them regardless of race, gender, whatever you want to classify somebody by. And we're still a long way from it being an equal playing field from everybody. But the fact that it's moving in the right direction is is probably the best thing we've seen in the modern era of pro wrestling. Did you ever think in your lifetime that a character like Orange Cassidy would be so over with a wrestling crowd? And Tony Khan has latched onto it where the guy is one of the most protected performers on the entire roster. You know. I, I can't say I'm surprised that a character like Orange Cassidy got over because comedy works in pro wrestling, but I never expected him to reach the level that he has. Like you look at a WWE comedy character like Santino Morella, for example, he was in that one elimination chamber match. He had that one little thing with Beth Phoenix for a while. Other than that, his career doesn't have a lot of standout moments, which is unfortunate because he's so he was really talented. Like he was a straight shooter. That guy has an MMA gym like he can go. But to see Orange Cassidy be given the chance to actually have these good matches and still be this weird character, it's kind of refreshing. I, I, I didn't think I'd see a character like him reach that level. But now that AEW exists, they're, they're going to take chances on people because they want to find what works and what doesn't. And that takes experimentation. They don't have a, a formula like WWE does yet, you know? He is to AEW what R-Truth should be right now to the WWE. Oh, my God, yes. I'm such an R-Truth, Mark. That guy, man, I wish they would do more with him. I don't know how happy he is, like if he's happy doing the amount of wrestling he's doing, which is very little. But, man, 
Ron Killings is one of the great unsung heroes of the last few years of WWE programming. A NWA World Heavyweight Champion. The first, the first black NWA World Heavyweight Champion, and to this yeah. day, I believe, still the only one. I believe you're correct, because we have Ron Simmons with the WCW Championship. And right. And Rich Swan was the Impact Champion. It was no longer associated with the NWA, you know, as of like 2006 or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's that's one of those accolades that doesn't get talked about enough that that Ron Killings was the first black NWA champion. And that was years before WWE put the belt on Kofi. So, yeah, I I love Ron Killings, man. That guy, anytime he's on my screen, I'm not going to complain. Oh, we 100 percent agree. The entertainment value with him is off the charts. So and he's older now, too. He's getting close to his 50s. And he obviously he hasn't aged one bit in the last two decades. He still has one of the best physiques in that company. Like he does not get enough credit for his abs. Like everyone talks about John Morrison. Like our truth has looked good for 20 years. And yeah, like he's not talked about enough as a body guy, but he should be because he really is in that same class as like a John Morrison. Oh, for for sure. For sure. The the genetics are definitely there for for our truth. I'm going to close the show with a little bit of an off topic question and this is something, yeah, I mean, this is something we've brought a lot to light throughout this last hour and some change. Give me one performer, a male and a female, from the WWE and the AEW, today being September 17th, that you would like to see over the next three and a half months that's been under the radar that you, that should be featured a little bit more and get a little bit of what we call in the business a push Hmm. Okay. We're narrowing it down to one now, huh? <laughs> it's tough. I know we brought a lot of like underutilized names up in the last three and a half or over the last hour. All right. Well, in WWE, it's got to be Liv Morgan for the women. She's been right on the cusp of a push for so long, and it seems like they just keep holding back. And I don't know why, because she has just improved leaps and bounds since debuting. So yeah, Liv Morgan for the women on the WWE side. Uh, for the men, I'm going to have to go with Mustafa Ali. Mm-hmm. I think I think his run on 205 Live was one of the best things of that year. And he's, he's just such a good in-ring worker. And I really wish he got more chances to show that stuff on Raw because were you watching 205 Live when he was like a big thing on there? It was one of the rare times I was watching because Buddy Murphy, I'm a big fan of too. And then Cedric Alexander, those, those three made 205 live for me. Yes. And Buddy Murphy specifically, his stuff with Ali, I will tell anybody and everybody to go watch the street fight they had on 205 live. It is one of the best matches of that year in any promotion period. Uh, as far as AEW goes, there are so many women in AEW that I would love to see get more attention. Like I would, I don't know if I can say Serena Deeb because she's out with an injury and she was getting a push when she was there. She looked fantastic over the last year. Um, so I guess if not her, then I'm going to go with Penelope Ford. That's a good I'm one. A, I like Penelope Ford a lot. For the men, hmm, somebody under the radar on the AEW men's roster that could use a good push. You know what? I'm going to go with Luchasaurus. Everybody's been focusing on Jungle Boy, but I think Luchasaurus has something that we just haven't gotten to see enough of yet. And 
I'm always really excited whenever he gets a chance to have a singles match, which isn't that often because he's such a different guy than most of the AEW roster. Like he's, he's real big, but he also has that martial arts experience. And I feel like with the right booking, he could be a top guy in AEW if they, if they really wanted him. So when I first saw him two years ago, I said that you have a world champion right in front of your eyes and it may not even be with that gimmick. However, I, the guy can talk. He doesn't talk enough and the athleticism and just the range it's he's incredible in the ring. Um, gosh, I, that would be my answer in AEW. I'm actually going to go over WWE. I cannot argue with Liv Morgan. You, you hit that the nail on that head. It's just been, and she, you can tell she will on occasion post things on social media and how hard that she's working to improve. And I, I can't deny that whatsoever. So we'll stick with that. On the men, this guy is always been featured as a tag team wrestler, and he's his name has been butchered all over the place. Chad Gable. I mean, I think it's forever going to be Chad Gable <laughs> until yeah. they, until the end of time. Because much like Mustafa Ali, his in ring presence is just it's unreal to me, and it's it's untapped. I think he got to the King of the Ring finals. We all thought he was going to do it. And they gave it to Baron Corbin. And it's actually been impressive what he's done over the last couple of months with his broke character. To oh, my God. In there. What a turnaround for that guy. <laughs> yeah. To get off my television heat to you're actually doing something that I appreciate. It's really yeah, impressive. It is. For the men on the AEW side, I'm going to go with somebody that's always struck home with me. And he's had he's had the shots. Uh, here and there, but just hasn't quite pulled through yet. He's a tag team champion in the past, Scorpio Sky. I've always been big on Scorpio Sky and feel that he should be getting his, his singles push and just when I think he's going to. The rug's been just pulled out from under him, and I don't know if they're doing him many favors right now with um, Dan Lambert being representing him, and I don't know your thoughts on him and just that whole presentation. We'll ask you that one. So it's very clear what they're doing with Dan Lambert to me, which is he is the representation of Jim Cornette, right? Like he is basically saying all the things that Jim Cornette says on his podcast in his promos. Uh, I don't necessarily have a problem with the way they're using him, but I, I kind of agree with you that I don't necessarily think Scorpio and him are the best match. Um, I, I don't have a problem with him being teamed up with Ethan page. I actually think that that's a decent combination. If, if you're not going to have SCU anymore, and you're not going to have Sky as a singles guy, then putting him with somebody like Paige, who also kind of needs somebody by his side right now, I, I do think that that was smart. I, I do wish Scorpio would get a little bit more attention, but you know we, we've seen some good stuff with him, and I have faith that if we give AEW enough time, because you know, like we said earlier, it's it's still kind of a new company. Two years is not a long time, so there's plenty of time. If he still has years on his career, there's there's always a chance that he'll get that world title eventually. You never know. That's very true. We're gonna have to let it play out. Or has has that been the word of like the of Twitter lately? Is it? Yeah. Let's see how this plays out. The phrase. Sometimes it is. It seems like that phrase kind of applies to some and not to others. Like uh, J- Jeff J, who he works at Bleacher Report. He's another guy who is all over podcasts and stuff. Great guy. Uh, one of the things I saw him say recently was 
he said, we're tired of being told to wait and see. And by we, he was talking about black people because black pro wrestlers have always been told like, oh, your time is coming. Your time is coming. And then it never comes with Scorpio Sky. I think he has a much better chance of succeeding in AEW than he would in WWE. Not necessarily because he's black, but because AEW pushes guys like him more than they do in WWE. I think Scorpio Sky would probably be right there chasing the 24-7 title if he was in WWE, and that has nothing to do with how talented he is. It has to do with the way WWE books people. Uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think Sky is somebody who absolutely deserves a push, and I do think he'll get it at some point. It's just, you know... AEW has a lot of things they need to do right now and a lot of new people they need to push. And Sky's uh, an original AEW talent. He's been there since the start. I think he's in there for the long haul. So I do think that they can use him over time in a meaningful way and make him one of those big success stories. Like, Like he could be like a big E where it takes him you know, a little longer than people wanted to, to get there. But then once he has that moment, it's so satisfying. Yeah, I could definitely see that with him. And that's the one thing that we had talked about earlier. And I mentioned it where do you feel that there's just way too many new folks coming in, just the shiny object syndrome. And now the old toys that came in or that are being perceived as old toys are now going to be forgotten hat thrown to the back burner, which actually brings me to my woman's choice. And you mentioned, um, Black folks not being pushed. Big Swole. Penelope Ford, for me, would also be an easy answer. Uh, Big Swole, I mean, I know she's been battling some health issues over the last six months. She's back. She's been really featured a lot on AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. Now I think it's time to bring her to light on Dynamite. She got a small kind of tasting sample of it when she wrestled at a program with Britt Baker when she was injured, actually won the match in that cinematic style match that took place in a dentist's office, which was fairly entertaining. It was it was good for what it was. I think it's time for her to be at least thrown into the upper portion of the mid card. And if her match with Diamante had anything to uh, had anything to say about it, hey, why not throw her in, in that um in that limelight too? Yeah, I I really like Big Swole. I think she has a level of charisma that you just cannot teach somebody, and it's it's natural with her. So I would love to see them do more with her now that she's back too. And I, I really enjoyed her program with Britt Baker. I think it did great things for both of them. But yeah, Big Swole is a good choice. She's uh, she she's one of those people that I think we're going to see get big success at some point. And I know we had removed this from your itinerary, but you had had a thing about should AEW introduce a new title. I yeah. do think a women's secondary title, be it singles or tag, I do think that's going to come at some point. And I think if it's a tag belt, I could absolutely see Big Swole finding a partner and tearing up that division. Let's end with that question then. Do you suppose it is a woman's tag team title? Just suppose they are tag team title. There's only one match usually on Dynamite. They actually, and I guess the great thing about Rampage is there so far has been one women's match on every Rampage, even though there's only three matches. Are we going to start seeing that second match on Dynamite? We could. Uh, I don't necessarily know how AEW likes to schedule things. I haven't really taken the time to study their patterns. So like, if they have the same amount of matches every single week, then yeah, I do think they have room for two women's matches. But you know, it, it all 
it all has to do with priority for them. Obviously their men's roster is just much, much larger than their women's roster. So it's always going to be a little uneven, but having a second women's match every week, even if one of them is a little shorter and then one of them is a little longer, it'll just do more to build the division over time. And I think a tag title would be better than like a women's intercontinental championship, just because you have a little bit more variety when you pair two people together. Um, I'm not sure who Big Swole would be good with, though. I was just trying to think about that. Like, who do you think would be her ideal partner out of the roster right now? See, I'm scrolling through all these names, and it's really, really difficult. You would have to turn Swole heel, and it would be Jade Cargill. But I, I, and I don't know if that's just kind of like a build thing, but I'm looking around the rest of the roster, and it's, yeah, it's really, really difficult to kind of put somebody with her. See, I think Big Swole... And Layla Hirsch might work really well together because they're both kind of in that power category. Yeah, for sure. Because you, again, Ty Conti and, and Anna Jay are partners. Yeah. But then, but then just scrolling down the rest, a lot of the women on the roster, they're heels. They do have a lot of heels right now in the women's roster, but, you know, the, their baby faces are such big baby faces. Like Thunder Rosa is so over. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you've got people like Chris Statlander, who's really starting to build a following too. Uh, it seems like they sometimes want to turn Nyla Rose's face and then they don't, I'm not hundred percent sure what they're doing with her, but, um, I, I could absolutely see Nyla Rose becoming a baby face at some point. That would be interesting to see how that works because she's so physically dominant that it's, it's always hard to book that kind of character as a baby face, or at least it's a little harder. So. It is. The easy way yeah. to do it would be to break her away from Vicky Guerrero. Oh, God. I just want that to happen in general. <laughs> I, with I, like, I like, yeah, oh, yeah. I like Vicky, actually. I just don't think that that's a good pairing. Yeah. Nyla Rose by herself, she, she can cut a promo. Vicky Guerrero's not necessarily needed. The only other person on this roster would be Red Velvet. Yeah. Red Velvet has definitely shown a lot in recent months i i went from thinking that she wasn't going to work out so well to being totally on board with her um a lot of that had to do with some of her most recent matches just improving but she's still kind of new to the business so She's another one where it's like, we kind of have to give her time to develop AEW, even though they have all these veterans and all these world famous wrestlers. Now they are also still trying to build their own development system. And red velvet is an early example of that. So I think that she's going to continue to improve. She already has the acting part of the job down. Now she just needs to keep working on polishing the wrestling part of it. And she'll be gold. Yes, and she's well on her way. So, yeah, I'm like, that's the one thing that like Dark and Dark Elevation has done. Not only to get more indie folks dates last year during the pandemic when there was no independent wrestling on whatsoever, but also their, their homegrown talent in getting them in front of a camera more comfortable and making them TV ready. And I guess the one thing that's kind of lost in the shuffle is that it does take a long time to get acclimated to 
television, especially if you've never been on it before. There are a lot of a lot of things that you really have to think about when you're in the ring. And we don't really see sight of that as fans or writers or as people who appreciate professional wrestling. Yeah, they're playing to the camera is a big difference that a lot of these people in interviews have talked to me about that they have to remember like, oh, it's better if I slam an opponent if I'm looking this way because it's going to look the best on camera looking that way. And it's just an extra layer of things that they need to worry about that they didn't. And I think that's a tough transition for some people, especially people who were working for years on the independent scene and almost never on television. Like an Eddie Kingston, for example, he's been in the business 18 years, but he told me he's like, I'm still learning how to work on television. Like, that's just how it works you know which is insane to think about because one could argue that he's the best promo in the business and for someone like that to say that i still have things to learn is just a testament to how difficult it is to be on the stage in this limelight yeah and it's funny because a lot of these guys have that mentality of like i'm still a student no matter how long i've been in this game and I mean, that was one of the big things that Brian talked about in our talk yesterday was, or on Tuesday actually was, uh, when did I talk to him? I don't even remember now. It's been <laughs> such a weird few days. Um, is that he's looking forward to learning from these guys who he never got a chance to work with on the independent scene. And all these guys who are young and new, like Jungle Boy and Darby Allen, like he was in WWE for so long that that was his world. And now he's curious to see how wrestling has expanded and to learn some of the new things. So yeah, it's really cool that a lot of these guys have enough or not enough have so little ego about them that they recognize that, Hey, this guy who's only been in the business for two years might actually be able to teach a 20 year veteran one important thing, especially what, yeah, you said it, the, the evolution of pro wrestling and AEW is seen more as a glorified independent, I would say promotion with the, just more with the presentation, just the television presentation, more money back behind it. It's the way NXT was too. And it's part of the reason why it switched back to a developmental is Vince probably saw that AEW defeated their, their version of, of that glorified independent and now they're repackaging it so to see again daniel bryan or brian danielson get to go back and see okay what was it like when i was in when i was wrestling in 2001 2002 when i was the newcomer i brought something new to the table now i get to work with these guys that have been only in the business for three or four years but are already seen as up-and-coming talent and near the top of the profession yeah like look at a guy like daniel garcia for example he has been so impressive recently he is such a good in-ring technician and he hasn't been in the business a super long time and he's already like head and shoulders above some guys who've been in it for 15 years so it just goes to show you that there is natural talent and then there's learned talent and i think with him he's got both and so i would love to like daniel garcia is one of those people that i want to see him fight daniel bryan like I, you know, Kenny Omega versus Brian, fine, but Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson, please, like, give me that match. I'm a big, I'm like, I'm a sucker for just a good 20 minute technical clinic. He's 22 years old. I mean, that's nuts, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Like, and MJF is only 25 and he's one of the best talkers in the game. Like, some of these young guys, man, there's such a bright future for this business if they continue to push these people the way they are.
And a guy who's just been signed by AEW recently wrestled Daniel Garcia, who I'm a huge fan of. I'm sure you are too, Lee Moriarty. I'm guessing you have seen that that match. Yes, and Lee Moriarty is one of those people that I only recently started following his career, but I've been very impressed with what I've seen. And I'm really glad that he got so much love when it was announced that he had signed because that tells me that independent wrestling is starting to thrive again now that you know like they're holding shows the pandemic's not i don't want to say the pandemic's over but we are in like post-pandemic conditions in terms of the way shows are being held again so it's really cool to see a lot of these independent guys actually getting like such a big following so quickly because that never would have happened 10 15 years ago yeah exactly it's again the evolution of the business and starting to almost take an old school feel and revert back to the way that it was just to make it make, make it more entertaining and give people more options as opposed to the one thing where you had to go out. If you had to go out of your way to go see a ROH or a PWG or a New Japan or an All Japan where you'd have to. We didn't even have subscriptions 15 years ago. You probably have to go out of your way to watch YouTube or even was tape trading still a thing back in 2005 or six. Yeah, I mean, you had very few video options. Like, I mean, YouTube probably was barely existing 15 years ago, right? Yeah. Like, isn't it only about 15 years old? I want to say, was it 2008? Well, I started becoming familiar with it in 2008. So it's probably 06, 07. Yeah, so it's it's crazy how far things have come. Uh, online subscription services and streaming services have made it possible for people to watch so much more than they used to be able to. The whole tape trading thing, I think, is kind of a thing of the past. Now it's all about just like, here's this link to a YouTube video. Go check this out. That's great because it's so much more accessible now. Like I know that there's some older fans who miss the old days of like, oh, you had to really work to find this stuff. And then it was more fulfilling, but I would rather have, you know, every option in the world available to me and be able to pick and choose. And that's what we have right now. So it's, it's a really fun time for the business right now. And I'm very excited to see what happens in 2022 because I feel like we're going to really start to see the competition kick off now that AEW's winning the demo a lot of weeks. And we're, we're really starting to see a shift in the way fans are treating both companies. And I, I don't think fans need to choose personally. I, I think you can be an AEW and a WWE fan. I am. So I hope more people start to take that approach and stop looking at it as this is the new WCW versus WWE. You can only pick one. Like, no, you can enjoy everything. You really can. And they're on different nights. That's another thing, too. Exactly. February 14th, 2005 was when YouTube was founded. So, yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. It's it's evolved a ton over the last 16 years. I think the only company that really has that has basically made you wait is PWG. They'll do a they'll do a card and then it'll be up on high spots two or three months later. And you actually have to yeah. subscribe to high spots to be able to view it. Or you can do the old fashioned thing and get a DVD or a Blu-ray. Yeah. PWG needs to <laughs> up their game a little bit and. I think there's a couple indies that are still a little behind on that, like CZW. There was a period of time where they were starting to get hot and then that kind of died out when they didn't advance. So, but we're seeing companies like GCW. I won't say that GCW is for me necessarily, but I love that that's an option that a lot of people are finding that they like. 
It is. I, I'm with you. It's not my cup of tea, but I can pick and choose a couple of matches out of there that I would definitely watch. Yeah. I'm sure. Chris, let's close the show with this. You have a lot of projects that you're working on. You are affiliated with Breacher Report. Please give out all of your information, social media, and projects. Uh, well, right now I'm exclusively with Bleacher Report, so all my stuff can be found on the BR app and on the Bleacher Report website. Other than that, pretty much just on Twitter. I don't I don't do Instagram or Facebook anymore. So Twitter is BR underscore Doctor. On Bleacher Report, it's just Doc Chris Mueller. And yeah, I'm just trying to stay busy and keep my head above water in this industry, which is not always easy. <laughs> No, it, it is a very difficult business to, to do that, to do so. DAJV Show on Twitter. You can find Wrestling You and You also on Twitter. That is our page. We have a new logo that is going to be unveiled right now on this podcast, which you can find on Google, Apple, and Spotify. Blue Wire Hustle, thank you so much. Episode 41 is in the books. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. This was a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, hey, man, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed this. Anytime you want, I'll come back on. Just let me know. I will be giving you a call in the future, that's for sure. Chris Mueller and Jesse Velasquez, this has been Wrestling Slung Plugged and Undeniable, episode 41. We'll see you next time.